This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. Make sure that you are checking out all of our previous episodes. MarkingOut.com Also check us out over on Apple Podcasts and over on Spotify. Leave us a rating. Share it with your friends. Make sure that you are following us over on Instagram, over on Twitch, and also over on good old trendy TikTok. Make sure that you are also giving us a like on Facebook and following us as well on Twitter and subscribing on YouTube. But that being said, I am here with Brandon and later on, Chris is going to be stopping on by. So that being said, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always, and yourself? Doing good. Doing good. How's your week? My week was uh, fantabulous, you know, minus uh, the Mets debacle end of their season. And the traffic? Yeah, yeah, a ton of traffic. Went to New Jersey, and uh, traveling back was a ton of traffic, so... We decided that we were going to end up just avoiding the traffic or trying to get less traffic and just for food. We were all hungry. Stop off in New York City uh, in Chinatown to get some food. And that was not a good idea. Every single person was out and about. It was a beautiful night. And every this was on last Saturday. And everybody was out. You know, so we drove uh, through uh, Chinatown, through K-Town. Uh, Did you get food? No, no ho. And I'll, yeah, we just ended up driving because we couldn't <laughs> find anywhere to park that was actually taking cars or anything. So we got to the point where we're like, you know what? Just keep on heading north. We're going to take the uh, the bridge back on over. Ended up going uh, going to the diner. Going to the diner, which is always trusty. East Bay Diner. Love it over there. So we went to the East Bay Diner and we got to see the Mets play and they won. But they, unfortunately, that night they won. But the other nights they lost. So the Mets are out of the playoffs after such a successful season, you know. Big bummer. But, you know, it's okay. Um, um, I personally, I feel like there's so many people complaining. And they're like, oh, this and that. And, and bashing the Mets, too. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and I'm like, all right, first off, if you're a Mets fan, you were expecting something. You knew that something like this was very possible to happen. This this possibility was definitely 100% always there because we know the Mets. Yeah, um, that's why they say you got to believe. Exactly. You know, you got to believe. <laughs> it's like you know, yeah. you know it's not going to happen, but you got to believe it will. Yeah, you 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 expect that at the in the ninth inning, they're going to give up that home run. You expect that in the playoffs, they are going to crumble. Nobody's going to pitch well. You now know? the the big question, though, is next season. Do you remember there were rumors before the the, the season started that Mets were maybe going to go for Aaron Judge? Yeah, it's, you know, the thing is, I think that we're going to have a very fun offseason. We have a lot of free agents. A lot of golf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of free agents. I mean, DeGrom being one of them. 
So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with some of these players. Hopefully we keep most of them, but they do need another solid pitcher and they, they need to bolster that relief pitching and get some actual like solid hitters to on the back end of the lineup. Um, that's one thing that the Mets didn't do at the trade deadline was to really get a solid back end on that lineup. So, uh, you know, hey, they still they still uh, had over 100 wins. They had 101 wins. They had uh, Alonso break the the RBI record, pers- the Mets RBI record. They had a combined 20 strikeout baseball game. Um, there was so much success from this year and so much so much excitement as a fan that I feel like to harp on that they didn't win. I feel like that would be that would be I don't know, and I know a lot of people are doing that too, which stinks. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but I think that concludes take Mark out to the ball game. Yes, yes. Talking about taking people out to the ball game. So Brandon, what did you do this weekend? Uh, Spoiler: He I didn't. Went... He didn't go to any ball game. That was no. just a bad segue. No, last <laughs> weekend I ended up going to my younger brother's house for a bit to let his dog out. Okay. Who let the dogs out? Brandon. Me. Brandon. Me. <laughs> and I watched her run around a little bit, and then I tried not to get licked. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big uh, animal guy. No, he he. Brandon does not like being touched. Period. No. You know? And then I, I tried a new chicken place, which was okay, but like I wouldn't get the same thing that I got. And the what pickles place? were, I don't know the name of it, but it's a new chicken joint, and uh, they had uh, Nashville chicken egg rolls. I think those were better than the chicken sandwich that I got. The pickles were puzzlingly, puzzling, puzzlingly, no, puzzlingly, puzzling, tasteless. Can we just change it? Like, it made puzzling? you puzzled. It puzzled. It was you. it was bizarre. It made it no sense. You. Like I'm a I'm a huge fan of pickles. And it just didn't. It was, it just didn't have a pickle taste at all. It was. It was very bizarre. Mm, that's disappointing. It wasn't even like a raw vegetable or, or anything. Fruit, I should say, because cucumbers are fruits. For those who don't know that. Mm-hmm. But uh, my my older brother and sister in law and niece are up from Florida, so we ended up going pumpkin picking. That's nice. My niece, she's never gone before. She's only well, she's about to be three, but. We went on a hayride also, and they had live animals like goats. They had ponies, chickens, pigs, but... Oh, my. But because of, it was during the week, they didn't have any of the concessions open, so I uh. think I was missing, like, the smell of, like, the roasting corn and stuff. Mm-hmm. But after that, when we went, we went home, whatever, and a friend of mine from high school was up from South Carolina, so he came, came over for a bit, and he was here last December. Okay. Prior to that, it was like eight years since I had seen him. Wow. So it's probably like 10 years since my older brother's seen him. So Mm -hmm. just nice to catch up. That's cool. But outside of that, just watched a bunch of pro wrestling. Yeah. Well, talking about pro wrestling, this weekend was jam-packed with a ton of wrestling talk coming out of Extreme Rules, you know? Philadelphia, yeah. Paul yeah. Heyman did the cold open because it's in Philadelphia. It was in Philadelphia. Very fitting. Um, first match, though, opened up with, did we say Extreme Rules? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it, it was Extreme Rules. I don't remember if one of us did. Or... The, oh, the I brawling... did This is episode 610. Oh, wow. Look at that. Talking about remembering things. This is episode 610. <laughs> I got it in there during this episode. 
<laughs> oh my. Count it. <laughs> the Brawlin' Brutes pick up the victory over Imperium in a good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. Beforehand, they cut to the White Rabbit video that we saw on SmackDown. That airs during the Brawlin' Brutes entrance. They they had it on the, the kickoff show, too. So, I guess they were just drilling it into our head. I thought we were going to get it throughout the night. It was literally kickoff show entrances for the brawling brutes and that was it until yeah obviously not to jump ahead but but, the, but this match was good yeah I mean, sheamus's chest gosh man yo i it I was could, still messed up from smackdown so imagine it more yeah i mean and i could i mean i know sometimes when you have these feuds where they're like they seem never end like mid card never ending like they're just there as a filler you know what I mean? Like some of these matches where there's yeah. a feud like this in mid cards, it just seems like it's just never ending. It's just like, oh, damn, we have to have Imperium versus Brawling Brutes again. But never has that crossed my mind during this feud that they have been having. Every single match that they have been having is fantastic. Well, Seamus describes it banger after banger. Every single match. You know? And this match, it was chaotic beyond chaotic, but like. Yeah. It wasn't chaotic to the point where we couldn't follow anything. There were cameras on everything that we needed to see. Yeah, the cuts were good. You know, it, there was no bad cuts that really took you out of the match. No. At one point, we saw Butch take on Imperium by himself. Yeah. Sheamus put Gunther through the commentary table with that white cross. And then uh, picked him off the apron for that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. But I, fans fans were going nuts this whole match. Vinci ate the pin. And I think after Sheamus losing at Clash of the Castle and on SmackDown last week, I think he needed this victory. Mm-hmm. So. I, I totally agree with you. I think it was an important victory to have. Um, talking about important victories, though, Ronda Rousey picked up the victory over Liv Morgan to become the new women's champion in an Extreme Rules match. Um, Rousey controlled a lot of it. Yeah. They both had some brutal shots, but especially those bad shots from Ronda Rousey at one point. Yeah. But overall, like outside of a few spots, like Liv hit that senton on Rousey through the table. I thought that was nice. And then Rousey kicked out. She tried to lock on an arm bar. Liv ends up picking her up and like, I guess, power bombing her onto the table. But still, Ronda Rousey continued to try for that submission and finally... Lock the submission in with that table piece. Yeah. As far as the match goes, I feel like Ronda Rousey has hit a point where she's not getting better than she is. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, she's 100% an attraction act to me. Mm -hmm. Rather than, like, the actual... Like, she's obviously a member of the actual roster, but... Yeah. But she's not... I think she's treated differently, obviously, because she's Ronda Rousey. I totally agree. I don't. With you. I don't think her skills match up to the locker room, which I don't think is a necessarily a bad thing. But she needs somebody that she can work with. I. I agree with you. I think that okay. So I think that what she is doing is very impressive. Like what you mentioned before, you know, I think what she is doing was very impressive. I mean, what last year, the year before, she was the woman wrestler of the year. No doubt about it. She was probably the one of the pro wrest- top up there for pro wrestlers of the year. I think that one of the diff- most difficult things is having uh, 
an MMA fighter such as Ronda Rousey doing that switchover with me and you and Chris, we've spoken about many times that switchover conversion from going from like legit shoot fighting to pulling your punches and everything. Right, yeah. So, but this, but what she's been doing is amazing. I think that she's having a ton of fun. She knows how to work the crowd. And this match with Liv Morgan, it it lived up to uh, my expectations. Not mine. No, there. Did no. you see that? And I, it's like I, I had hope for Liv to win. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't think that there was going to be a way for her to get three victories over Rousey. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not. Like I feel like I, I'll almost never care who the champion is. Yeah. Like I'll never like negatively care. Mm-hmm. I don't want Rousey to be champion, but I, again, I don't negatively care that she's champion. Does um, that makes sense. I understand what you're saying and everything. I think that it's the thing is I think that Liv Morgan's time as champion was limited. Um, but it's like now who takes it from Ronda Rousey? I mean, could be Banks, but it could be Naomi. Yeah, I mean, to me, that doesn't make sense. Could like be if Baszler? Naomi and Sasha are coming back, they'd have to be back together. What about Baszler? I don't know. You know, it could. I think I want to see what happens. I think that Liv Morgan's time was limited. Um, same thing with I think that Bianca Belair's time is starting to become limited too. But next up, I don't think she's that limited. And as Liv Morgan went out, she never tapped out. She passed out smiling. Yeah, that was very. Oh, um, did you see the pitch? The original. Well, I guess the pitch from Ronda about it. No. Apparently, she pitched. Uh, for the closing, the finish of their match, they involved a ton of thumbtacks and everything, but it got shot down. <laughs> but apparently Ronda Rousey pitched using a ton of thumbtacks and pretty much getting brutal with thumbtacks. Hey, Hunter, I'd like to use some light tubes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Hunter, um, you ever hear of this Nick Gage fella? <laughs> um, I want to emulate him in our Extreme Rules match, please. So now Liv Morgan, I guess, is like going to snap or whatever. She was wearing Joker colors. I don't know if that is going to tie into anything. It could. I mean, they found her the um, interview. Yeah, she was backstage. Yeah, just, uh... found her backstage, kind of just curled up in a in a ball. Hmm. You know, so we're gonna have to see what happens with that. But next up, you had Karrion Cross pick the victory over Drew McIntyre in a strap match. Drew McIntyre celebrating what his fifteen years? Yeah, fifteen years with uh, in pro wrestling. I mean. That's an incredible feat, but talking about feats, you 15 know, years in WWE or pro wrestling? WWE. WWE. Hey, and check out who his debut match was against. <laughs> Matt Cardona. Matt Zachary. Cardona. You know? I was at one of the very first main roster matches for McIntyre. Really? Yeah, it was the Major Bros versus Dave Taylor and McIntyre at Nassau Coliseum. That's pretty cool. October 30th, I think, 2007. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. You know, if I'm not mistaken, who knows? Maybe uh, it was raining that day. <laughs> maybe we'll see Matt Cardona return to uh, WWE soon. I don't know, but this match, uh, Karen Cross refused to put on the strap at first, and McIntyre beats him before the match. Or uh, Karen Cross ends up beating him before the match, mm-hmm. beating McIntyre before the match. McIntyre makes a comeback, and uh, we got some fun spots before the match. I like the the sidewalk slam off the ring steps onto the apron. And then McIntyre took it upon himself, put the the strap around Karrion Cross's wrist to finally have the match start. Um 
And then Cross worked McIntyre's shoulder throughout the match. Scarlett gets involved at one point, sprays Drew McIntyre with pepper spray, and that led to the end of the match. I guess if you need something with accuracy and... Do you, do you think it's shoot pepper spray? Huh? Do you think it was shoot pepper spray? I mean, I would assume. I feel like they'd be crazy to do that. I mean... Or crazy enough to do that. Yeah, they... I mean, you can do it. You just gotta really... Like, once you get in the back, you know? Because I... Toss I mean, Cross was on. also selling pepper spray. He didn't get hit, but... Yeah. He well, was sure also selling it, so it particles makes... In, it, particles in the air and everything. Right, that's why it makes me wonder if they use shoot pepper spray. They could have been, you know? Were they tearing up? I didn't realize. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But next up, you had Bianca Belair. Also, yeah. by the way, I enjoyed this match, and I enjoyed that they told us and explained to us, normally, the strap match, they go back and forth with these rules. This time, it wasn't you had to touch four corners and then win. This was just straight up. You're attached to your opponent, beat the ever-loving crap out of him, and then boom, you could just pin or submit. Yeah. So I, I, I like, like the old school, the tapping of the four corners. I feel like that's like such a new generation thing. What? The like having to tap four corners. I know we've seen it. Yeah. Obviously, I think outside of that, Savio Vega and Stone Cold. I think. Like to me, that's cartoony. Um, I would rather, if they're going to be attached, I'd much rather be like a dog collar where it's like you just true. beat your opponent. Yeah. Or a strap where you could do something like that. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. I could get behind that if they just totally... I mean, we that's what we had. Yeah, that's what we had. Um, yeah, I'd be fine if like we continued that instead of the four corners. But next up, you had Bianca Belair pick up the victory over Bailey in a ladder match to retain the championship. Nikita Lyons sitting ringside for some reason. God, make you think. <laughs> I thought the match itself was pretty good, though. Yeah, I thought that this match was really awesome. And I think that they, I don't know, it was just a really solid match. I like the sunset flip over um, the sunset flip powerbomb that Bailey did onto the ladder. Mm -hmm. The cactus elbow drop that she did off the apron onto the bridging ladder, I thought was probably one of the craziest looking spots I've ever seen Bailey do. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty crazy. But uh, Dakota Kai and Io Sky got involved, tried to stop Bianca Belair from winning, but she ends up taking both of them out with the, the KOD. And then Belair hit the KOD while Bailey was holding the ladder, so she ended up landing on the ladder also. Yeah. I and I definitely disagree with them calling this the first women's ladder match on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, that's... Like, you could... I understand maybe they mean like singles, one-on-one -on -one ladder match straight up, but Money in the Bank's a ladder match. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But again, here's one of those matches we thought for sure that Bianca Belair's time was up, but I guess they're going to maybe do Bailey and Belair again. I could see that. So. After that, Finn Balor picked up the victory over Edge in an I Quit match. I wasn't expecting them to go fight in the crowd. And I probably should have assumed that they would have. But for some reason, I just didn't assume that. Mm -hmm. Like, in my mind, the I Quit match was 100% just staying in the ring. Yeah. But they took it to the crowd. They fought around there. They fought around the kickoff show spot. I liked Edge grabbing a hockey stick and uh, you doing the, the Glasgow grin with that. Judgment Day showed up, and they end up uh, getting taken out by Edge at first. He speared 
Well, they took he took them out spearing Balor through the ropes. So I thought that was pretty cool. Rhea Ripley shows up, handcuffed Edge to the rope. And then Judgment Day got back in the ring together and Edge tried to fight them off. Rey Mysterio ran down with a chair to try to make the save and Dominic ends up attacking him. Michael Cole going absolutely nuts during this part I thought was fantastic. Like going absolutely crazy that Dominic was like defying his father and like doing what he did to Ray. Yeah. Like how dare you? How could you do this? I thought that was so I thought that was so good from Michael Cole. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that Cole was great during this, you know. But Beth Phoenix showed up and I feel like maybe I don't know if it's because of the new regime or if maybe it's because of Pat McAfee. Mm-hmm. But Michael Cole was like, we've seen him be like pretty animated in recent weeks. And like, we know Pat McAfee is somebody who like stands up and gets really gets into it. So Michael Cole, maybe he's just now allowed to do stuff like this, that he's doing it. So I appreciate that aspect of the match. Yeah. Rhea Ripley though showed up and ends up attacking Beth Phoenix. Oh, she did a lot more than just attack her. And yeah, she hit her, she hit her with brass knucks. Yeah, and then all led into the concerto. You know, that was a nasty shot too. The concerto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I thought that that was sold so well and the the placement of the concerto was phenomenal yeah but i liked uh when beth phoenix showed up crowd was going nuts it was i think expected but she went toe to toe with rhea ripley i forgot the whole mention the i forgot to mention that she uncuffed edge that was a, a major mm-hmm. part of it because then edge hit the glasgow grin again on balor with the the chair the chair bar but that that concerto basically they they gave him the ultimatum, and he had to give up. Yeah, he's like I can't, he, I quit, and then Rhea Ripley did it regardless. Yeah, and that was just nasty. Throughout the night backstage, we had Miz, and uh, at one point he was interviewed, and he wanted to talk about to talk to Triple H about Dexter Loomis, and then he runs into Gritty. They were in the the home of the Flyers in Philadelphia, and he's not really fan a fan of Gritty. It seems Gritty had a uh, an Extreme Rules T shirt, which I thought was funny. Well, I mean, he's not a fan of them of him, but how is he supposed to know who's underneath that? Right, and then Gritty later on mocked Miz while he was on the phone, and Miz finally at the end of the night kind of gets to Triple H's office, and Gritty shows up again. Miz ends up beating up Gritty. A lot of uh, people booing at that. Well, the Philadelphia fans, for some reason, have grown to really love Gritty. Don't they hate him? <laughs> I think I feel like they really did hate him, but now it seems like, how goddamn dare you say something negative about Gritty? Yeah. But, mean, but also, on the let's not forget, he's a heel. Gritty? No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Miz? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Miz beats up Gritty and then Loomis showed up from behind, chokes him out, and Gritty got some payback to end that. I thought it was a good way to get, even though Miz wasn't booked, he was able to have that segment with Loomis and Gritty. They got the fan pop or whatever for that. I thought that was nice. Mm-hmm. 
Main event saw Riddle pick up the victory over Seth Rollins in a fight pit match. Obviously, DC, uh, Daniel Cormier, the, the special guest referee. DC. Braun Breaker sitting ringside. Yeah. Seth Rollins had some Rob Van Dam gear on. That was pretty cool. That gear was awesome. He even had the ponytail. Yeah. I thought that that was just awesome. Cormier got a physical a few times just to remind them that he was the referee and not the opponent. Yeah. That's me in my head. I'm like, oh, he's 100% wrestling at at Crown Jewel. Nope. <laughs> and then Seth Rollins, we see him go up to the top of the cage. He hits that, uh, or off the normal cage, hit the, the twisting frog splash, paying tribute to Rob Van Dam before, before that. I thought that was pretty cool to tie it into his gear. Yeah. And I guess Philadelphia as well. Cormier at one point took time counting for Riddle before actually like checking or, or time checking on him before actually like making the count. Mm-hmm. And that that got Seth Rollins to be pissed off at that. So he climbed up the platform. Riddle joins him eventually. They fight up there a bit. I think what they did up there was creative. And then Rollins ends up getting off the, the or, or falling off, whatever. Riddle hits that senton from up there. And then Rollins taps out. And this was awesome. And I thought it would go down where Brock Lesnar would show up and somehow leads to a match against Crown Jewel with Cormier, where he maybe took Cormier out or something like that. And then maybe we would get Ken Shamrock. To run down and be the officiant. Shamrock was tweeting, I believe, during Extreme Rules. I'm like, it has to happen. Yeah, Ken Shamrock, a fan of uh, marking out. It did not happen, but uh, Seth Rollins loses, and they go up to the entrance ramp. DC is raising Matt Riddle's hand. Wait, 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 wait. I am going to say, I'm going to cut a little bit of head, but with Seth Rollins, uh... I think that his reasoning for tapping out. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Can we just mention it real quick? I, I mean, mean, I my, don't see why we would now, but okay. go ahead. <laughs> we'll get to that then. We'll get to that then. But his reasoning. Lights go out. He's got the whole world in his hand, starts playing. They flash to the crowd. It's a real life Huskis. They flash to the crowd. It's a real life Mercy the Buzzard. Rambling Rabbit, Abby the Witch, with a mask very similar, if not maybe now, the same exact one. I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to say that that was. To that of the one Luke Harper wore in uh, the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah, I think that Then that... the lights go out again. They shine it on the commentary table. It's the severed, burnt fiend head. And uh, then a fiend ringside, which there's controversy here people think there's uh many theories whether or not they were two either the raw and smackdown women's championships whether they were fan a fans championships which is what i just assumed they were but watching it back the placement is like too close yeah maybe too close to being in the shot so that's the thing i know i brought that up to you and you also it's a another one is a potential possibility of the the women's tag team championships that's the thing like you didn't uh notice it but i brought it up to you that they're that it looked like they had the women's championships well not notice it i thought they were just i just thought they were fan titles yeah you thought that it was from a fan but then i was thinking that maybe what if it was either a something with naomi and sasha banks or B, 
maybe it's the fun house maybe they're going to bring in two women to go after that championships which could or be, maybe it's the raw and smackdown women's championships it could be you know but then we also have alexa bliss and what happened earlier with Liv morgan you know but also i think that that i want to say oh 90. my god by the way they oscar and alexa bliss were quote-unquote too injured to be there for bianca belair I thought a perfect spot that was like 100% that Sasha Banks and Naomi about to come down and mm-hmm. save Bel Air. That didn't happen. No. But, but yeah. this this segment continues. After The Fiend pops up, we see a door finally shows up on the stage. And it's lit very similar to the way Brody Lee made his debut in AEW as the Exalted One. The door itself led to the funhouse, which everything was dark. Everything was dead, damaged, destroyed. And finally, Bray Wyatt, new mask, shows up with a lantern, unmasks himself, and goes, I'm here, and blows out the the lantern. And it was just pop after pop after pop. People were losing their minds over this. Extremely well done. You couldn't even hear what he said on that camera. It was so loud. I mean, I like the fact that they cut, even before the door appeared, they cut to the Titantron and showed... The funhouse uh, fun really just all dusty with cobwebs and everything. And then it cut to the TV screen where it had uh, Bray Wyatt in this new mask of his talking about how, uh, what was it, the, um, uh, who killed the world or whatever it was. And um, I thought that this entire stuff, it was incredible. It was very thought productive. It got every single person talking about this moment. Yeah, you know, I mean, I wasn't watching it. Um, I wasn't watching it live, and you're like, "Turn it on, turn it on," and I didn't. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. Mets gonna watch the Mets. Yeah, I was watching the Mets, and I'm like, you know what? It's okay. I'm not like, it's okay. I don't have to see this. So I followed it on Twitter. I was as it was um, going through, but then the more I started to watch it over and over and over, the more I just needed to see the full clip of this all breakdown. And I needed, I watched it a few times, and I'm like listening to the crowd. I'm watching this, and it was unbelievable. And then people are speculating, oh, so-and-so's under this outfit, they're under this outfit. And it's like, if it's not going to be part of the storyline, I don't care. Exactly. Who cares that, I mean, they're like, oh, Joe Casey's there. You know? It's... Yeah. Like, unless Joe Gacy actually shows up and he's Huskas for some reason all of a sudden. Yeah, I hope that's not the case. I don't want anybody to be the Funhouse characters at all. Yeah, I don't think that we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna have anybody as portraying the Funhouse characters in matches. I, but then there's like WWE trademarks Uncle Harper and Uncle Happy. How, uh, howdy, Howdy, Uncle Howdy. Yeah, I mean Uncle Harper. That's got to be a tribute, obviously, to Brody. Has to be. Yeah. That makes me think that Dutch and Vincent might come in as those characters or names. Huh. They were rumored to be backstage at Extreme Rules, and Bray Wyatt and Dutch 100% go back all way back to FCW. That's interesting. I don't know if people even know that Dutch was once signed to WWE. Yeah. I mean, Uncle Harper just, like, uh... It just pulls a thread at your heart, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm really, I do think that that mask was the Harper mask because they have that picture of like Bray, Braun, and uh, Rowan 
holding up that mask. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. And I'm I'm almost yeah, uh, it has if it's not yeah. then it's it's got to be like a replica I'm, or I'm something. I'm almost positive that that's the mask that, that that was shown, you know. But this this entire segment it got every single person talking. I think that the pop was incredible. It was fun. And I'm, I'm happy that it didn't tie into any segment. SmackDown, we're we're on Thursday right now. Yeah. SmackDown, we don't know what's going to happen. Bray but. White is supposed to appear. Uh, we do know Bray White is going to appear on SmackDown in some way. Right. But um, I loved it all. I love that we had back the, the old school lantern. We have Bray Wyatt unmasked as Bray Wyatt. You know, I think that this... this if you lose your touch of pro wrestling, I feel like these moments like this makes you remember how much you love pro wrestling and how easy it is to get lost in pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, at least at, I, th- I threw a fist in the air. I was, yeah, I was happy to you see know, it. it. It was definitely that moment for me where I watched this over and over. I'm like, I love pro wrestling. This is why I watch this stuff. This is why if you get me in a conversation about pro wrestling, I will talk your ear off because – I love pro wrestling. I am a total mark. I love double double E. (laughs) Well, talking about double double E, let's get on to some sports entertainment. Let's talk about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. With a DX cold open, advertised as the 25th anniversary of the DX, of D-Generation X, a uh, reunion of sorts, X-Pac, Road Dog, I almost said Billy Gunn, but Billy Gunn was not there. Nah. I mean, he, HBK. We, we I do get to HBK's talk about name. him later on. And then Triple H, Road Dogg, uh, they're all, they were all asking each other if they were ready and uh, then specifically pointed to Triple H and who's doing his role. He's got glasses on. He's in a suit. And they're like, well, more specifically, are you ready? And he goes, guys, we, uh, we, can't, we can't curse tonight, blah, blah, blah. And then they went off, Road Dogg, right off the bat, drops a penis. <laughs> and then they all go off. Well, we can't say this. Can't say this. And obviously cursing up a storm. Very similar to the uh, a DX address. The uh, the network address. When they, they had to bleep everything. Like, oh, the network says we can't say this. So I, I appreciated that cold open. But Monday Night Raw starts. The bloodline came out. And Roman Reigns addressed Jey Uso. And asked if Jey was a fool. And then Sammy interrupts him and he's like, brother, you put me in charge of Jey Uso. So let me try to handle this situation. And Sammy's like, be cool. He's telling Jay to be cool. They need him to be cool. Riddle interrupts and said that they should be talking about how he beat Seth Rollins in the fight pit. And even though he's not allowed to challenge Roman Reigns per stipulation of him losing against Roman, he wants another shot. And Roman Reigns says no, and then Matt Riddle's like, well, maybe one of the members of the Bloodline want to match. They want to step up. Jay tried to get Sami Zayn to step up, and then uh, Sami finally did accept the challenge, so that match gets made for the main event. Yeah, so uh, next up you had... Johnny Gargano, Gargano picking up the victory over Austin Theory. And this, I was a big fan of this match. No doubt that uh, Barclays Center is an extremely special place for Gargano. Matches at TakeOver Brooklyn 2, losing to The Revival, losing at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. 
to Andrade losing to Champa at four. But a win, a final win at NXT TakeOver New York where he picked up the victory over Adam Cole to wow. win his first NXT championship. Wow. That's... And because I was at all four of those events, I was definitely looking forward to seeing this match on Monday Night Raw. Wow. You know, I like that they started off really hot, just attacking each other. Yeah, um, I liked when uh, I'm just, Theory yeah. used the Gargano escape. Yeah. I thought that if you are coming off of everything with The Fiend or Bray Wyatt and you're trying to get Monday Night Raw, you're in Brooklyn, you want something really solid to set the tone. I think that match-wise, Gargano versus Austin Theory was the perfect match to start us off. Yeah, and uh, Gargano won with one final beat. Yeah. It was a good match. I agree. Next up, after that, Rey Mysterio. Another good match. Huh? I said another good match. Oh, yeah, another good match. Rey Mysterio picking up the victory over Chad Gable. Um, uh, Judgment Day came out during this. Uh, Rhea Ripley and Dominic, to be specific, to watch. And then Rey Mysterio eventually gets the victory here, regardless of them being out there, regardless of Otis, who he took out. The bigger thing from this segment was Dominic getting in the ring afterwards, pushing Rey Mysterio, slapping Rey Mysterio, and Rey just kept refusing to do anything. He went after Priest, he went after Balor, who tried to sneak attack him, and then Dominic took him out. Yeah. And that was was the end of that segment. Um, And then it goes into the next segment where the Judgment Day cut a promo. Talking about how they run Monday Night Raw. Everyone steps to them and falls. And this is one thing that I wasn't that big of a fan of. I don't know. So They recapped Edge and Beth. Then the attention that Balor... What part was were you not a fan of? Up until here or... Kind of. So for me, it felt like the Rey Mysterio-Chad Gable. It was an awesome match. But then going right into this, it felt like I had Judgment Day for an entire 25 minutes. I'm fine with that. I would minutes. have been so like pissed off, disappointed if it's like Ray versus, Ray versus Chad Gable, the Judgment Day are ringside for it. Segment, 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 segment. The Judgment Day come out to give AJ Styles an ultimatum. Yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't want that at all. That's true because after, I mean... And this, this segment came, ends in a huge pop. Yeah, for this this the, the crowd came to life towards the end because AJ they Styles gave, he gave an ultimatum to AJ Styles. Yeah, AJ Styles gets into the ring, confronts Finn Balor, and or the, he went to, and AJ came out before he even gave the ultimatum. Yeah, they're in the ring with each other, and you know AJ and, Styles comes too. He yeah, AJ was him. like he's like, you know, there's one thing, there's a time in one's life when. They really just need friends and family. Yeah. And he knelt down to Finn Balor. They hugged. And AJ Styles is like, but I wasn't talking about you. Ooh, and obviously the a, fans are tuned AJ in. Styles impression. Fans are tuned in. They know what's happening. Fans go nuts. Gallows and Anderson make their return to WWE, even though they trash WWE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think that, I mean, that only shows you that sometimes you have some of these wrestlers trashing WWE. Maybe it's just for publicity. I think Carl Anderson told, told a story where Triple H was like, think about re-signing with WWE or versus AEW who may not even be around in three years. Like, yeah. think about your, your kids or whatever. 
And then I think I could swear they swore that they'd never go back. But yeah, it's one of those back. things where who, Car- who knows? Carl Anderson. But who who knows what's like legit and what's not? Right, I, yeah. I'm I'm actually surprised. I mean, it could all be a work when these wrestlers say, "Oh, you know, I would never go back to WWE. Forget WWE." I mean, because it gets everybody in the IWC so surrounding and uh, supportive of them. Then and then, of course, that increases your merch. It increases your. Uh, Publicity increases your independent schedule or schedule period. Um, but before yeah. you go to the next thing, I, was I wasn't going to go to the next thing. I was well, going to no, say they with, brawled <laughs> with with the Carl Anderson. I was actually surprised that they were appearing on here because I only heard about them coming back to WWE really like the day before or that day. I was expecting maybe like within the month. I wasn't yeah, expecting Yeah, well that's what the news sites have been doing. Like, oh, Braun Strowman has been in talks with WWE and then Braun Strowman returns. Yeah, I was not expecting it to be that night. But go on, yeah. Yeah, so they show up and they all brawl. Carl Anderson is the current never open weight champion in New Japan, so forbidden door there. Uh apparently hey. slated to still wrestle at uh Wrestle Kingdom in January. How you doing, Tony? How's that? How's that forbidden door going for you? I mean, you have over here, like... Um, New Japan Pro Wrestling retweeting WWE. I would love to have known Tony Khan's thoughts of that happened with that moment. I Right? Especially since he cut that promo. Oh, my God. Do you remember that promo he cut on WWE for when they tried to, like... When they were talking to New Japan or something? And he goes, New Japan only wants to work with me! Uh, yeah. Something like that. I mean... <laughs> you guys suck! It, it's WWE it's hilarious because, because now you also have... Like Switchblade, like Jay White, tweeting about it. You have the his yeah, opponent. I think he even did a press conference and spoke about Gals and Anderson doing that. Yeah, or alluded to it at least. Exactly, and you even have um, the opponent of Carl Anderson uh, at the New Japan upcoming tweeting out, being like, "I see that you're avoiding me or something, and let's see what happens. Like, let's uh, you're not going to escape me. You know, it's one of those things where forbidden door." But no, we, we're not allowed to have a forbidden door. I mean, we did. I mean, we. WWE did in January. Exactly. Wrestling is wrestling. You know, if they are... When was Jericho on the, the show? He started it. Yeah. I, I mean, I would. I think that having New Japan involved with WWE is also nothing new. And then they got pictures. Minoru Suzuki posting all those. Or I think he posted all of them. Maybe not. Maybe the people are posting them. I mean... They, they they all put take like uh, I think it's Brazilian jiu jitsu classes together. Yeah, and he was at one of them recently. Like I know Nakamura does it. Uh, Shayna Baszler, Matt Riddle. Yeah, I mean, but this all is nothing new for pro wrestling. Yeah, or no, WWE. that's like when you see pictures of uh, WCW and WWE guys hanging out back in the day. You're like, whoa, how did this happen? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, let's not. I mean, you had Jewish and Liger. You know, they had so many wrestlers from New Japan come on over just for appearances. Like this is nothing. What does that mean? That was a- I was talking about like extracurricular, like they're just hanging out together. Oh, I'm talking about just like Jewish and Liger doing a one-off at NXT Takeover Brooklyn, New York, huh? 2015, but against Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze. Uh, After that, though, we saw Damage Control, where Byron ends up asking uh, Bailey about her loss to Bianca Belair, and then Dakota Kai stepped up and told him that um, Io and and Dakota Kai would do anything for Bailey. And she questioned whether or not Alexa Bliss and Asuka would do the same, which I thought that was a pretty good line. Yeah. 
And then it leads into the match. Candice LeRae picking up the victory over Bailey. Candice really selling a leg injury in this match, which Bailey worked on the whole match. Genius. Went to hit the rose plant, and Candice reversed that into a pin, and I'm not sure if we've ever seen that before. I don't think so. I don't believe so. But then Dakota Kai and Io Sky attacked Candice, and Belair tried to make the save, but she got got too, and that was another moment where I'm like, oh, team bad, team bad, team bad, team bad, team bad, team bad. Not, nope. That didn't happen. But next up, you had... The Miz's birthday bash as he comes out there, baseball bat in hand. Uh, Backstage, I, prior, by the way, uh-huh. another QR code. Oh, I didn't. Leading to a uh, puzzle that solves. It's Bray Wyatt's logo playing the He's Got the Whole World in His Hand. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, there was a Scramble Vision video that aired later on that said, I used to think that. I used to think the prison inside my head was the only place I could be free. Revel in what you are. That was on Triple H's microphone later on. Oh, yeah. But it leads to SmackDown. 100% leads to SmackDown. The, of course. the celebration itself, though. Maurice got Miz a bat signed by a Cleveland Guardian, is it? Yeah, one of the <laughs> Guardians. And I was totally, before all this, I'm like, oh, damn. Miz is going to bash the New York Mets. But then he went into the Yankees. And I'm like, okay, we're safe. We, we are safe. <laughs> and uh, Maurice also got him two huge big balls. Yeah. <laughs> he opened up another present and it was Loomis's head. So he puts the box back on, smashes it up. Loomis is gone uh, and snuck up behind Miz and locked him in silence. How do you think? And he Maurice got, out got of Maurice pushed so into quick. cake. And then Miz left Maurice alone. Messed up. Well, I mean, that's going to lead to something on. Next Monday Night Raw, probably. Probably. She stormed off and Loomis popped his balls. Yeah. I mean, Maurice got a face full of cake with during that entire uh, incident, too. Yeah. Um, you know? After and that the, segment. And I love the fact that Loomis playing to the crowd. Everybody's chanting, eat the cake, eat the cake. Yeah, and then he did. And he eats the cake. <laughs> you know? I thought that this, and it's very interesting. He doesn't have a theme song yet. I was kind of disappointed about that. Well, because he's not signed. That's very true. That's very true. They they said the whole thing where next week if... If he wins, then he's signed to a uh, contract. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully we get his old theme song back. That's what literally the next segment was about where yeah. DX was backstage hyping up a team going to take on Omos. And then Miz asked DX where Triple H was. And Road Dogg was like, you know what? Miz, there's only one way to get rid of Loomis. Beat him. But if you lose, then Loomis gets a contract. So next week, that's going to be taking place. The match itself that they were trying to hype up the team for, mm-hmm. almost picks up the victory over Joey Ace and Chico Adams, which I think, uh, for me, the highlight of this was their, their nameplate. They were different names. They were announced as different names. And commentary completely, they pointed out, they're like, backstage, weren't they named this? And they completely just rolled with their normal name. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. What they're doing with almost no idea. After that, Bobby Lashley spoke about how he's beaten everyone. He called Seth Rollins out for their match. And then Brock Lesnar showed up. He's like, good evening. And scoops up Bobby Lashley with an F5. <laughs> 
Hits oh, a German suplex, another F5, a Kimura. I thought that it was really cool, Bobby Lashley's reaction to him. This, uh, for you know, me, was disappointing, though. No, hold on. I, the thing that I really liked was Bobby Lashley stood face-to-face with Brock Lesnar, and he held the U.S. championship high above his head, uh, being like to Brock Lesnar, I am the U.S. champion. You're not going to take me down. Like I don't. I am not scared of you. I am the U.S. champion. He just scooped him up like a. a I know, rag I know, though. but I like that. I like the presentation of the U.S. championship and the U.S. champion. You know, I mean, well, it's Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins. Yeah, and I'm like, oh crap, maybe we're going to see Brock Lesnar go for the U.S. championship. You, but Seth would came. You, for- would you be okay with that? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'd like to see somebody. I want to see Brock like. Being a tag team, first of all, I'd love to see Brock be the tag team champion. I I think that's like way out the no, door. No, I'm going to say no because there's only one person I want him to be yeah, tag team Yeah, I want champions. Shelton Benjamin. Thank you, yes. Yeah. That's the only person I want him to. Uh, I don't want to see anybody else. That's no, Shelton Benjamin. Just yeah. him and Shelton Benjamin. That's the only person he should ever be tag team champion with. Uh, and the only the closest we ever got to that had me and you marking out for the, yeah, at the, the Royal Rumble. Rumble. You know, but... <laughs> And it's crazy, though, because, like, all these people have, like, Hall of Fame careers. Brock Lesnar wasn't in WWE for that long. Yeah. And I think he still still had a WWE Hall of Fame-worthy career. Yeah. And there weren't any other titles attached to him. It's just, like, literally the undisputed exactly. championship. I, I think that I would— No IC, no US, no tag, nothing like that. No, I would love for him to go after the US championship. I would love for US championship to be on the line of him versus Bobby Lashley. But that doesn't happen. No. But Seth Rollins came out and yelled at Bobby Lashley, and he got Lashley to get into the ring, and then Seth Rollins picked up the victory over Lashley and became the new US champion. Right off the bat, he hits the a spear and, and gets it reversed into a pedigree. I thought maybe that was going to be it, but Lashley kicks out. Frog splash, kick out. And then Lashley moved out of the way, hit him with a spear, and I'm like, oh, well, that's going to be the end of the match. And then he picks him up, goes for a hurt lock. Seth Rollins ends up attacking the arm, hits a stomp, hits another stomp, and finally wins the match. I don't know why they did this to Bobby Lashley. I was so convinced that that, that was going to happen at, at Crown uh, the at Extreme Rules with DC where he would be facing Brock at Crown Jewel. Now it's going to probably be Lashley versus Brock at Crown Jewel, and I don't understand what happened with that. Yeah. Lashley was pissed off and challenged Brock to show up to Monday Night Raw next week, and he said he's, he's, done, he's done for now with Seth Rollins, but not overly done. Or not overly, but not done... In the long run with Seth Rollins. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. I I don't mind Seth Rollins being champion. No. Like I said before, there's not many that I don't want to be champion. I agree. I think that it's it's fantastic that he is champion. This is his first championship since, what was the, since 2020? I think so, yeah. Right? This is his first championship since 2020. Since 2020, Seth Rollins has been very relevant yeah. uh one of the top pro wrestlers in the world um putting on amazing matches and yet over the course of three of two years over two years he wasn't champion i think that that's a credit to seth rollins 100 percent. yeah but um i guess at this moment i'm gonna bring up the interview and you know, they spoke about seth rollins become coming out of this victory but also how he tapped out to Matt Riddle. And he brought up how 
it was all a plan. He planned it because why is he going to remain in a submission hold knowing that he has a U.S. championship opportunity on Monday? Why is he going to risk injuring himself and hurting his shoulder and his arm going into this match? So he's going to tap out. Love it. Excellent explanation. Yeah, I like that there was explanation given for that. 100%. And it's viable. It's totally a viable reason as to why he tapped out. Uh, after that, we got a return vignette for Elias. Yes, Elias. Elias is coming back next week. I hope Ezekiel's fine. Haven't heard from him in a, in a while. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pumped for the returning Elias. I don't know where he's going to fit into the show, what's going to happen, but hopefully the crowd's with him. Yeah. I I assume they will be. Uh, but the main event saw Matt Riddle pick up the victory over Sami Zayn. They put on a really pretty good match here. I like that Jey Uso was enjoying himself when Sami Zayn was getting beat up. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. They have but, a good dynamic. But yeah, they had a, I thought it was a good match. Uh, they didn't leave much time for the DX. Yeah. It it went down to the wire. DX, they left like eight minutes, including entrance for that yeah. for that segment. They were like the main reason why people were I okay. what was being advertised for that episode of Raw. Yeah. But Riddle picked up the victory. Moving officially on to DX. Yeah, DX. Okay. I liked uh X Pac gave China a shout out. Yeah, that was like I believe that was like the first the very first thing that they did on the mic was X Pac yeah. giving a shout out to China. I like Road Dog having the crowd reference Billy Gunn. Yeah, you didn't know how that was going to go, and then you went through and the then moniker. Corey Graves was like, oh, I think he's doing something with office equipment now, which I I thought was absolutely hilarious. I, Shawn Michaels, while the crowd is saying, badass Billy Gunn is doing scissors with his hands. Yeah, like a peace finger. sign. He wasn't scissoring it. He was just No, he was. Sign. He was cutting. But, yeah, but not like how they do it on AEW. Well, no, yeah, right. He was just, <laughs> he was doing shoot scissors. Yeah, he was he doing, was doing shoot yeah. scissors. But I that that I didn't notice the Shawn Michaels till you told me. But Corey Graves, I totally popped that. Um, and people got pissed off at that because I don't think they it didn't register in people's minds at first that office equipment scissors. That's he's talking about Billy Gunn. Wait, what do you he's mean? Like saying what? Else, what did people think? I think they're like, oh, he's working at some pissant company. I think that's no, what they, they did that not take was. it in that yeah. direction. Yeah, no, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no they didn't yeah. please tell me that fans aren't that stupid fans yeah well i mean it's not like that difficult to assume that but yeah i'm gonna it, it's like that, it, it like could be stupid, i understand stupid, it being stupid. over somebody's no i understand that line going over somebody's head but oh, i got it instantly i thought it was hilarious oh uh, that yeah no that line was genius well played. so i was really happy that they referenced billy gunn there with even without referencing billy gunn yeah uh, he's on the given that this was the he's season also on the premiere, t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, he's on that t-shirt that doesn't come in my size. Yeah, but, uh, given that this was the, the season premiere of Monday Night Raw, I don't think this should have closed if nothing was happening. I was expecting because they're like, obviously segment, 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 segment. You're like, oh, DX is closing. Something huge is going to happen. Bray Wyatt's off the table. They announced him for SmackDown. What could it be? I have no idea. It was still nice to see DX and do their everything that they did. But 
it just it wasn't it was literally just like three minutes of them doing shtick. So I am on the opposite end of you. I love the end of this. I loved what they did with DX. I thought that having them go out there to do their entire spiel, I thought that that was that was exactly what I expected and that I tuned in to see. I didn't expect I didn't tune in to see anything else, but to see them do the spiel that they usually do. Um, I didn't tune in for anything more than that. Um, so it I did was, feel like a Raw after WrestleMania episode, though. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was totally fine with how it ended. I thought it was it set the crowd home happy. It was a nice feeling to see DX in the ring again and everybody get uh, acknowledged that should have been acknowledged. Um, I mean, you could have acknowledged uh, Rick Rude. You could have acknowledged Jason Sensation. No, he wasn't. He was never an official member. Mike Tyson was. Yeah. Hornswoggle, Greg Kali, and uh, Boogeyman, they were official. Tori. Tori was. Stephanie McMahon, I believe, was an official member. Maybe she was just uh, associated with. Maybe her and Tori were associated with and weren't actual members. Mm. I don't know. But, for, for me, it was. For me, DX's, uh, Michaels, and. Triple H and China. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the core five or whatever. Yeah. I I thought it was really interesting that how uh, when Shawn Michaels was in DX with Triple H, New Age Outlaws were not in DX at the time. And there was a time when they were all together, though, right? Or no? Years after. Years after. Because I I still think it's really cool how... Like you think of when Triple H goes, wasn't there more of us? (laughs) And then Billy Road Dog and X Pac came out on the. It was like maybe Raw One Thousand or one of those like anniversary episodes. But did they ever have like? Were they ever in storylines together with Shawn Michaels? No, because Shawn had left, and that's when that Shawn left. That was the the WrestleMania night after Triple H goes. You look to your friends, and then X Pac returned, came out. And they, they all did that thing inside the the blue cage. I I that's the thing. I I think that's really interesting in pro wrestling, where when you think DX, you really attribute it to all five of them. But then you look back at the books, and Shawn Michaels was never really in DX with New Age Outlaws and X Pac. And then how New Age like for me, I was a huge fan of Triple H's DX. What about you? Yeah, I because because I started watching in late '97, predominantly like when I think about DX, it's New Age Outlaws, X Pac, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, uh, China. Yeah, same here. Not not really Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was, I mean, granted there was uh, a year in between of him still with DX, but then he's gone and he comes back. He's commissioner. Yeah. I, I was ne- like when he, it was Shawn Michaels and Triple H, I hated them. You know, like I was not a fan. I, they were arrogant and this and that. They were feuding with Bret Hart. Um, but then Triple H's version, I feel like, was more uh, tweenish. You know, like fans fans were by them side by their sides, even though they were that arrogant group. You know, like during the Shawn Michaels one, like they were legit heels. Yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah. So that's Monday Night Raw. I feel like I said Raw weird. Raw. <laughs> NXT moving over to that. Braun Breaker picks up the victory over Javier Barnell 
Uh, JD McDonough came out for this match. I thought it was pretty cool that Booker T joining the commentary team is uh, calling a Braun Breaker match because he's wrestled the Steiner brothers. He's wrestled Scott. He's wrestled Rick. He's teamed up with Scott. So I think that's pretty cool that he's like now getting to call Rick Steiner's son's match. Yeah. But as far as the match goes, I thought Burnell got too much offense in this match. Okay. I liked Braun watching JD as he had his finisher, though. I could I could see that. And then after the match, him and JD went face-to-face, and Ilya Dragunov came out. JD swung first. Dragunov accidentally hit Breaker with that torpedo Moscow. That was nasty. Sorry yeah. I yelled that. I got way too, like, marky for that segment. That was incredible. Yeah. First, uh, next match, not first match, second match, Nathan Fraser picked up the victory over Axiom in the last best of three series to advance to the North American Championship ladder match at Halloween Havoc. I liked uh, some of the reversals they were pulling out in this match were pretty cool. They were amazing. There was like a mid-air trip, which I thought was pretty cool. That corner, um, the corner turnbuckle drop I thought was pretty nuts. Yeah. But... Also, the not a reversal, but the the German suplex by Axiom from the through the middle rope. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, but they're they're both so seamless in the ring, and I'm happy that we got as many matches between them as we did. And now it would be so awesome if Axiom was also able to get into that ladder match. But yeah, I totally agree not the you. case. But I'm happy for Nathan Fraser here. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, we saw Apollo Cruz have a vision for Halloween Havoc. Chucky was included, so he's not announced, but I have to assume Chucky's going to be part of it again. I could, I mean, they do have that new season coming out. Yeah, it's already out. Yeah. And then he said that he's going to have to leave uh, Waller in the dark. So maybe it's going to lead to a blindfold match Ooh. between them. Maybe, I don't know. Okay. We had a backstage segment with Sanga and Valentina Faraz where uh, she asked him to be in his corner. And Indy comes into that segment. Something about her jungle, but it's her ring. I didn't really get that segment at all. But it leads to their match. Indy Harwell picks up the victory over Valentina Feroz. And Veer came out during this match. And he spoke to Sanga, and Sanga left with him. And I feel like it should have been... It should have affected Feroz more than it, it did. Uh-huh. Given that she asked him to be there for her. But, like, she didn't even notice for a bunch of the match. Yeah. Until, like, it, he, he was gone for a while before she noticed. Yeah. And it didn't affect her then because she got fired up. Yeah, and that's for sure. You know. Controversy ending on the internet. People are pissed off she won with, uh, she lost to a superplex. Hey. <laughs> Superplex is hurt. Is that you stupid ever, or what? You ever like, take a superplex? Is it stupid that people are pissed at that? Yeah. Superplexes could hurt, dude. After that, Pretty Deadly came out. They congratulated Indy Hartwell. Didn't tie into anything because they immediately spoke about Briggs and Jensen and Idris and Ophi and Malik Blade and then the Dyad. That leads into that match where Idris and Ophi and Malik Blade pick up the victory over Briggs and Jensen and the Dyad to become number one contenders. And uh, I think 
it, it definitely, this match I thought was decent. It picked up towards the end. They had some high-flying stuff. Jensen was doing some high-flying stuff even. Yeah. I like the spot where uh, Josh Briggs launched Malik Blade into the ropes outside of the ring and then clotheslined him off the rebound. I thought that was pretty cool. The ending was pretty action-packed. Joe Gacy ends up hitting... Um, hitting Malik Blade at the end of the match. And then Cameron Grimes out of nowhere took him out with the cave-in. And Blade was able to reverse the the Dyad's finisher and pick up the victory. This entire match was just action-packed. Yeah. You know? And then Joe Gacy later on said that uh, Cameron Grimes is going to be facing them three-on-one because nobody... He has he has absolutely nobody to team with him. And then Cameron Grimes teased getting partners from Raw and SmackDown. I thought like it'd be a perfect opportunity to bring somebody in, bring in uh, maybe some fashion police. But oh, okay. But I guess they're not from Raw and SmackDown, so who knows? Okay, okay. I was looking at the teams on Raw and SmackDown. I have no idea. It's probably like it's got to be like Street Profits or 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 something like that. I hope it's not Hit Row, given that they were like Hit Row. Just like recently in, yeah, NXT. I I can't see it being Legato, given that they were also just recently in NXT. No, so I feel like it's the only people to to do it is, is Street Profits. Yeah, unless hopefully my fingers are crossed, you bring in cool. Dango and Breeze. Dirty Dango. I don't see it happening, but um, yeah. After that, Alba Fire picked up the victory over J.C. Jane. Um, Gigi Dolan got involved a few times, but yeah. Alba was still able to hit that gory bomb, gory bomb. Not much to this, but no, afterwards, but yeah. So, um, Alba fire was heading her out of the, uh, the entrance way only to get grabbed by somebody in the fans and have her head smashed into the, the barricade only to be revealed to be Sonya Deville returning to, uh, NXT. Some people, Sonya Deville hates Mandy. This can't be real. Wait, what? Yeah, because they feuded I... back during yeah Thunderdome days. Yeah. But Sonya Deville, she she said it herself. She's like, listen, Mandy's still my best friend. So given that Toxic Attraction are her girls, they are also my girls. So Sonya wants a match with Alba Fire next week. That gets set up. I'm pumped for that. Yes, yeah, I thought maybe we would see Sonya Deville challenging Mandy Rose at one point for that NXT championship, but I'm fine with her being on Mandy's side as well. Yeah, I totally agree with you. After that, Wesley picked up the victory over Stax, who uh, worked on Wesley's leg the whole match. And Lee played into it, I thought, quite well. Yeah. And Still climbed up to hit that finisher of his, and after the match, uh, Trick Williams attacked Wesley. Carmelo Hayes jumped in. Oro Mensa made the save, and then Tony gave Stax a stern talking to later on. And he also said that Stax is going to have a match next week against someone. He refused to say who, but he says as soon as you hear their music, you'll know who it is. Stone Cold. Right? Like, <laughs> who who with music are we? Like, who could it possibly be? I Next mean, week's a huge mystery show. It's got to be Stone Cold. 
No, but who realistically is going to face stacks? Um, I can't think of anybody, like, off the top of my head. McIntyre? That wouldn't make sense. I feel like it has... Does it have to be somebody heel also, or what? Ziggler? Aleister Black? Nakamura? I have no idea. Hulk Hogan? After that, Diamond Mine was backstage and they met, or not even backstage, they went to a hospital to meet Roderick Strong. And he ends up apologizing for bringing Damon Kemp into the group and maybe not listening to them as he should have, whatever. And then he basically just gave uh, Julius, I think, uh, a pep talk for Halloween Havoc. So it's nice to see Roddy on TV in that segment. Yeah. After that, we saw Kiana James pick up the victory over Thea Hale. Kiana James wants to buy the land that Chase U is on because it's worth worth more than the college itself. But before they the the bell rings, Robert Stone interrupts right away, and he's like, "I have business to discuss. The world's laughing at me because of you, because of Thea Hale." And then he got back body dropped and. The match goes on. Kiana James ends up hitting the 4 okay to pick up the victory. I think it's dumb that the referee allowed for that to happen. Because there was like there. no way that that Thea Hale was like ready for that match to even take place. Right. Like the, the bell rang, so the match was already started. But Robert Stone was involved. Yeah. She was she was dealing with Robert Stone and from behind she hit that that move and I thought that was, I just, I don't know. Obviously something else will come from that, but Von Wagner ended up yelling at Robert Stone afterwards and said, we need to focus on the the North American Championship. Mm -hmm. Main event, we saw Ilya Dragunov pick up the victory over Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller teasing uh, Booker T at this point. I thought that was pretty interesting. He like did the, the try, went to go do the spinneroonie and I'm almost certain he got up and did a suck it. (laughs) Yeah. I think he did this. Like, sucking. what's the deal with that? Like, what's randomly calling out a commentator? Or is Booker T going to be ending up having a match soon? I don't know. I think that'd be pretty cool. But Grayson Waller ends up going up the ramp. A video of blue sm- smoke comes on the screen and the wheel starts spinning by itself. Yeah, nobody's, basically nobody's leading, over there. Yeah, basically leading to the end of the match. I'd love to know how they do that special effect. Yeah, I mean, Waller. Gets back into the ring, tries to hit his finisher only to get caught. Yeah, and then Braun Breaker showed up afterwards and speared Dragunov With because awesome spear. Yeah, because he got hit by mistake earlier on. So yeah, getting some uh, revenge and Braun Breaker receipt. Yeah, giving the receipt. But that's NXT moving over to SmackDown. Which opens up with a car accident in the parking lot. Karrion Cross and Scarlet were involved. Drew McIntyre attacked Karrion Cross and was pulled away, saying this is just the beginning. Cross was in the main event, booked for the main event. First match, Sami Zayn picked up, picked up the victory over Kofi Kingston. I thought it was a really good match. Sami Zayn popped me big time. Doing that running hip attack and yelling, honorary oos, before the, the hip attack. Like, the Usos would just yell oos. I thought that was really funny. But Jay Uso took Xavier Woods out at one point, which distracted Kofi for Sami Zayn to hit the blue thunder bomb. Kofi kicks out. Jay gets up on the apron. Kofi hits him off. Sami 
kicks out of a pin off of that, and then Jay kicks Kofi Kingston to reverse the pin, so Sami Zayn gets the victory there, and I thought it was interesting to see Jay actually helping Sami there, but he tried to get Sami to thank him later on, and Sami's like, I don't know why you're trying to do that, I did that all by myself, and then Jay tried to ask Solo, and Solo's like, brother, I didn't see it, I was focused on, on Sami. After that, Rey Mysterio backstage with Triple H uh, basically said that with everything going on on Monday Night Raw with Dominic and everything, he doesn't see a way forward and he quits. So Triple H made him talk to him in the office and find it. They want to find he wants to find another way with Rey Mysterio. We saw L.A. Knight pick up the victory over uh, Mansois. Michael Cole dropping a championship wrestling from Hollywood reference during this, but. Mansois tried to jump LA Knight before the bell. Knight gets the upper hand out of that. I thought it was a decent match. I think Wade Barrett hyping up LA Knight definitely added to it. But as soon as the match ends, he immediately turns heel and trashes the crowd. And then he puts the locker room on notice. I wasn't (laughs) expecting that at all. But, I mean, he works great as a heel. So we'll see what happens with that. On NXT this past week, though, we saw Cora Jade interviewed backstage, and she spoke about who she's choosing to face Roxanne Perez for the Pick Your Poison match. And she's like, I have a few options. And then she made fun of Roxanne Perez and said that she can't find anyone, which Mac Mitchell then drops the bombshell that Roxy's actually going to SmackDown. And Cora Jade's like, well, screw that. If she's going to SmackDown, I'm going to Raw. And backstage, Roxanne Perez was uh, talking to Shotzi. And she, and Raquel Gonzalez walked in. Rod- Rodriguez walked in. And she they spoke about it, whatever. Damage control showed up. And Bailey's like, well, you should have chosen me. And she was like, I would have, but you're on a losing streak. And then Bailey challenged them to a six-woman tag. Damage Control picked up the victory over Roxanne Perez, Shotzi Blackheart, Raquel Rodriguez. Awesome match. Great to see uh, Roxanne Perez in this spot. I thought that was awesome. Also, really nice to hear Michael Cole bring up Team Kick with Dakota Kai. But Roxanne Perez reversed the Rose Plant. Bailey reversed her pin with a, a pin to pick up the victory there. I was just saying... For Monday Night Raw, I don't think I've ever seen somebody reverse the Rose Plant today, uh, today, before, <laughs> and we saw it on SmackDown again. But uh, I just I wish it was longer. But I enjoyed this match. I also I forgot by the way Braun Strowman picked up the victory over James Maverick and Brian Thomas. The big thing to mention: almost an MVP made their way down through the crowd, and MVP hyped up almost afterwards and put down Braun Strowman. So. They're gonna. It's probably gonna be a crown jewel set up there. We also had a another Viking Raiders vignette. This time, we definitely saw way more of Sarah Logan. It's definitely her. There's no way it's not her. We also saw Legado del Fantasma pick up the victory over Hit Row. Uh, Hit Row went after Legado before the match, and they pretty much like owned them. For, for a bit, they rang the bell, Santos Escobar got involved, Zelina Vega took out B-Fab, and Legato got the better of Tom Dalla. And I think they definitely needed this match, uh, needed this win, I thought the match itself was weird though. I 
Can't say I was a fan of it, but I'm a fan that both teams were on television. Backstage, Sonya Deville was was interviewed and she briefly spoke about what she did on NXT, but she moved on to Liv Morgan and Liv Morgan failing at Extreme Rules against Ronda Rousey. And then Liv, out of nowhere, attacks Sonya Deville. And she ends up putting her through a table off a scaffold from the, the SmackDown set. I thought that was pretty cool. Backstage SmackDown set, of course, not the actual stage. But, uh, yeah, so I, I assume they'll they'll have a match coming up. I saw them tag one time, my first NXT show. Or not my first NXT show, actually. It was uh, maybe my s- third NXT show, I believe, at that point. It was the one at the Garden. So, it was pretty cool. But the main event of SmackDown saw Rey Mysterio pick up the victory over Ricochet, Sheamus, and Solo Sokoa to become the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. Because Karrion Cross was injured earlier on, he was replaced by Rey Mysterio, which I'd say is a nice surprise for the people in attendance. And then they announced that Rey is now going to be part of SmackDown. Him and Triple H worked it out. Uh, Jay... And Sami Zayn got involved during this and took turns beating down Sheamus. The Brawling Brutes ran down, made the save. The reversal to Ricochet that led to the 619 I thought was so dope. He landed like straight up in the air. I thought that was really cool. And then Rey Mysterio hit a frog splash, picked up the victory, became number one contender. So that's cool. Rey will now have to face Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. The main main thing from SmackDown tonight was the return of Bray Wyatt. They kept teasing it throughout the whole night. And to close SmackDown, we saw the door set up. He kept that part of the entrance that we saw on Extreme Rules. He had a brand new theme song. And then he spoke about how this is how this is a version of himself that he hasn't gotten to be yet. It's him. And then he spoke about how he lost his career over the past year, self-confidence to people who were very close to him, and he lost his way. And then he, he said he didn't even know if people cared about him and spoke about how once he eventually went out into the world again, he would meet fans and they would tell him what Bray Wyatt meant to them. And in turn, Bray Wyatt said that they saved his life. And then he went and said that the fans chased him, assuming he was going to say down the rabbit hole, to tie in all the vignettes and everything. Well, not even vignettes, just the white rabbit. Then the lights go out, and a masked man came on the screen who we all could assume is Bray Wyatt. And that's how it ended. What that means, no idea. But we'll find out, I assume, next week. Uh, and that's back down. Going to take a quick break right now and be back with Chris right here on Marking Out. This is Josh Briggs, and you're listening to Marking Out. Back here on Marking Out, pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. It's episode 610, I think. I don't know. I usually ask Brandon. But Brandon's not, unfortunately, with me due to prior commitments. So it's going to be me, Chris, talking for a while. Uh, how long? I'm hoping to make this short and sweet. Um... Full disclosure, it has been a very, very busy week. Um, Last weekend, I had a bunch of football broadcasts, uh, a lot of work this coming week. We have a busy weekend ahead. Actually, I don't really have that 
busy of a weekend this weekend, but just a lot of stuff going on. Um, after all the football this past weekend, me and my stepfather, Stu Leonard's does this, has a liquor store next to it, and they had like an after-hours whiskey tasting event, which was cool. They closed the store at 6 o'clock. They let everybody who was invited, you know, who RSVP'd in, and you got a bunch of samples of some cool whiskeys. They, um, I know Brandon and I spoke about this, I want to say about a year, year and a half ago, but uh, Heaven's Door, it's Bob Dylan's whiskey. He asked me if I tried it, and I tried it, and we got a bottle of that. Got a bottle of that. Got a bottle of Metallica's Blackened, because I, you know, can't not have a bottle of Blackened in the house, and got some other stuff, and we had a nice night, because afterwards we went out to... Uh, uh, restaurant, bar area, and uh, had some dinner, and you know, continued our uh, Sunday night shenanigans, and uh, went home, and uh, just been crushing it all this week. As I mentioned last week, I did go see the Grills this week. It was my niece's first concert, which was, especially me being somebody who hasn't gone to concerts since now 2022. I've been going to concerts since 1999. Um, it has. It was really cool to be there and experience that with her. Uh, the first band that went on Earth Gang was just strange. I didn't get it, but whatever. Um, and the Gorillas were a lot of fun. I mean, I went in, I listened to the essential songs that I had to listen to on uh, Apple Music. They put on a great stage show. It wasn't even like it was like a band. It was a collective. Uh, because, you know, their lead singer, the guy who used to be in Blur. Um, right? Was it Blur or was it uh, some other British band? Regardless, um they were all in front of the stage, but it was like him, a bass player, a guitar player, a keyboardist, a percussionist, a drummer, backup singers. And then they had these big screens behind them that played all the cartoons and animations and stuff like that that go along with every song. And they were spot on with some of that stuff. I sent a video of one of the songs to good friend Anthony, uh, by the way, Lost Becomes, his band has a new song coming out on the 25th called Grudge. So go check that out. I said, and he's like, wow, he goes, they are like on point to the video. That's amazing. So I don't know if they're playing to a click track or whatever, but regardless, it was a very fun show. Uh, I got back very late that evening and then worked all day yesterday and worked today. And I'm just tired. Uh, A lot of editing, all that good stuff going on. So maybe after I record this, that's why I'll make it short sleep too. I'll get a little power nap in because I have a football uh, broadcast to uh, take care of tonight. And tomorrow, I get to go to uh, Big Time Wrestling. Is having a show here on Long Island, Hicksville, New York. Uh, it's called uh, Apple Dub Medic Mania because it is a uh, fundraiser for the Nassau County Paramedics. And they're bringing Brett the Hitman Hart in. So I have a NECA Brett the Hitman Hart Simpsons figure that I've had forever. I actually bought it at a Toys R Us. And I'm finally going to get it signed. Every time I feel like Bret Hart has been in the area, something has happened where I'm like, oh, I can't go because I have this. I can't go because I have that. Now, like, the stars lined up, and I can meet him and get that figure signed because uh, he was my, my gateway wrestler into professional wrestling. Like, the, those SummerSlams, him versus Owen back in the day, really got me into wrestling. Before we touch on All Elite Wrestling from this past week, I want to make one little note because I spoke about it last week. Game Changer Wrestling had Fight Club this past weekend. The big match, John Moxley versus... Nick Gage for the GCW Championship. It's title versus career. And to my surprise, we have a new GCW champion in in Nick Gage. Let alone it was from the help from Stokely Hathaway and W. Morrissey as they came in, attacked uh, Moxley and threw him through a pane of glass. But surprising nonetheless, especially with Moxley being the AEW world champion. Reports then came out, press releases then came out saying Moxley has signed a five-year contract with All Elite Wrestling. Uh, so he's going to be there for the foreseeable future and maybe work into some sort of 
coaching role. So stoked for Moxley. Again, he's my wrestler of the year this year. Um, wrestler, not sports entertainer of the year. But uh, stoked for him. And uh, we'll get on to all the wrestling now. You have uh, Rampage and Battle of Belts from last week. You start off Rampage with Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, and John Moxley. Picking up the victory of Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, and Roosh. Uh, expected. Claudio uh, blocked the silly string with a super awesome European uppercut. And then you have uh, Wheeler Yuta getting Mark Quinn to tap out to an armbar. After this tag team action, as Josh Woods and Tony Nese picked up the victory of Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr., bigger story coming out of this was not Arn Anderson watching backstage. It was the fact that Mark Sterling said he has trademarked the term varsity in professional wrestling. So he is now calling this tag team of Woods and Nese the varsity athletes, and the varsity blondes can't be the varsity blondes anymore. So he said that the pen is mightier than the sword or whatever it was. And in this instant, it is. So smart for smart Mark Sterling. But the uh, acclaim comes out, interrupts, interrupts uh, Sterling and forced Woods and Nice and Sterling to retreat. Female action as two, the two female members of the Jericho Appreciation Society, Anna JAS and Tay Mello, pick up the victory over Madison Rain and Sky Blue. Really don't I, I don't really want to have to touch on it that more. I mean, it's the only way you could have gone in this match is having the hyping up the JAS, the 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 Jericho Appreciation Society females. And in your main event, the World Trios Championships were on the line as Death Triangle successfully defended them against Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and Ten with the help again. Pac knocking out Alex Reynolds with the, with the ringbell hammer and ended the match with a brutalizer. You just have Jose, the assistant, walking down with an envelope for 10. I thought the match was very strong. It showed how great the Dark Order is, and it showed how great the Death Triangle was. So, great, good rampage, solid wrestling. Um, and as I said last week, what are they going to do? Just, like, cut to a 30-second commercial break and bring in Battle of the Belts? And that's exactly what they did. As you start off the show, like they left Pac in the ring, going off a rampage, and they bring Pac in the ring to start off Battle of Belts as he successfully defended his All-Atlantic Championship against Trent Beretta. Trent Beretta, I feel like he's one of those guys that you don't see that much in a singles match, but when you do, he's very impressive. And this match, he was very impressive. Unfortunately, for the second match in a literal row, you have Pac using the ring bell hammer and hitting Trent in the eyes. Post-match, though, you have Orange Cassidy run out to the ring for retribution, um, and he looks like he's revenge. He's looking for revenge, and they set it up that on Rampage this coming week, it was Orange Cassidy versus Pac for the All-Atlantic Championship, so cool about that. Jade Cargill is successful yet again with her TBS Championship facing off against Willow Nightingale. I thought this was a great, I thought this was a good, ma- good match. I really enjoyed it. But the bigger story afterwards was after Jade gets the win, Vicky Guerrero walks out, distracts Jade and the baddies, and Nyla Rose steals Jade's championship. So Nyla Rose, I, I kind of like this because you really haven't had like a story. For Jade, she comes out, oh, Tony, Tony, cut the ass, this, that, and the other thing. But now you kind of have a story where Nyla Rose is running around with her uh, championship. So it's going to set up a match as I um, am getting text messages about stuff. Maybe I should mute my phone and my microphone and all that stuff. Main event of the... A battle of the belts was FTR successfully defending their ROH championship against the Gates of Agony, picking up a bi- hitting a big rig for the win. 
Post-match, you have Brian Cage run out, and the Embassy beats down FTR, and then Wardlow comes out, and so does Samoa Joe, and they run down, and the Embassy retreats. Um, this Ring of Otter story that they have going on with, uh, you can kind of say the pinnacle, because we'll talk about maybe the pinnacle kind of forming back in a couple minutes. But, again, Battle of the Belts, I was not disappointed with it, and that's it. So, Battle of the Belts, Rampage on Friday, awesome. Let's get to All Elite Wrestling Dynamite hailing. First time AEW is in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And earlier in the day on social media, they announced that Renee Paquette is All Elite. And she started off the show by introducing everybody to AEW, introducing herself to the crowd, and interviews Christian Cage, who says I'm gonna, he's guaranteeing a victory, and he introduces Luchasaurus for his match against Jungle Boy Jack Perry, which Luchasaurus wins. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Uh, that the fact like, you have to be like you're you're really trying to like sink. Like, what are you gonna do now? Like, Luchasaurus has won every single match that they've had so far. Christian Cage has come up with the opportunity. But who, like, you need to give Jack Perry the rub here. So, it wasn't even like it was, he chokeslammed him and then he, he uh, nailed him again and pinned him. So, he, like, pin, kind of, you can kind of say he pinned him clean. Um, but I don't get it. I really don't. Uh, after this, uh, you have Renee Paquette backstage with Stokely Hathaway and Ethan Page. Matt Hardy and Private Party interrupt, sets up a match for Rampage. Boom, done. After this, you have the team of War Joe, Wardlow, and Samoa Joe face off against the Factory and and beat them. You know, it's it's a squash. It's just highlighting War Joe, which I'm fine about. It shows you that Wardlow and his Symphony of Destruction, well, I should say Powerbomb Symphony, I don't want Megadeth to come after me, is still super over. Uh, after the match, though, you have Prince Nana and the Embassy interrupt. And, you know, they in, in, insult War Joe. Insult FTR. FTR then comes out through a, a huge pop. And Dax Harwood, you know, says, hey, listen, there's three of you guys right there. The Gates of Agony and Brian Cage. He goes, why don't we set up a match for Rampage? Uh, you guys against us and a partner. But the question is, you know, Rampage starts at what time? 10 o'clock. Which then you see the reintroduction of, you can call him perfection, number 10, Sean Spears. I guess he's no longer the chairman, and he is the uh, he's the perfection number 10, Sean Spears. I like it. I'm about it. I like the I like the number 10 gimmick in WWE, how they're getting away with it. I guess they dropped the trademark on it, on, you know, the perfect 10 or whatever he was using. But it's, it, and especially in a Toronto crowd where Sean Spears is from, it's a great way to reintroduce him in front of his hometown crowd. You know he's going to get a big pop. So on and so forth. So it sets up a match and uh, makes his return. And while Sean Spears is coming down to the ring, he pushes Aaron Solo back in. FTR hits a big rig on him. That's it. Next up, my personal favorite match. Well, I mean, this is one of my two favorite matches of the evening. Was Swerve Strickland picking up a victory over Billy Gunn. I thought this was a great back and forth match. Uh, Billy Gunn work, looked great. The crowd was all about him. And it just, I always say this every single time. 1998, Billy Gunn, super over. 2022, almost, like almost 20 years later, more than 20 years later, Billy Gunn, still super over. Uh, so uh, Swerve wins with a flatliner, then a Swerve stomp. Um, actually, no, he didn't do that. He hit that for a near finish, but... This, and I wrote this in my notes. Let me pull up my notes here. Da, 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 da. Let's keep talking about stuff. All right. I wrote Billy Gunn so over. But 
Shane Strickland gets that quick roll up and like I'm gonna pull a brand in here. The referee could obviously see that Shane Strickland was holding the rope, but he he didn't. And I know I know commentary was like, yeah, the angle that he was at, he couldn't see it. BS. He definitely saw it. So um Shane Strickland picked up the victory, but Billy Gunn gets a super duper pop afterwards. The claim comes into a bat scissor until they're interrupted again by Mark Sterling who says now that he has documents saying that he owns the scissor me catchphrase in professional wrestling. So I I like this whole Mark Sterling going out and buying people's trademarks. It, 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 it kind of, it's very kind of like old schoolish. But again, with Mark Sterling's character, I, it works perfectly. Um, and he asks uh, Tony Nese to scissor him. So... Wonder what's going to happen with all those Scissor Me shirts now on Pro Wrestling Tees. And I know they just released a, a new uh, acclaim shirt that said, uh, you know, has the A as a scissor. It's cool. I would buy it if, uh, you know, I didn't just get my two new shirts from Pro Wrestling Tees this week. After this, you cut, you have a scathing backstage promo from MJF. He's saying, you know, nice guys finish last. He's not an idiot. Most of the locker room hates his guts, but he looks in the mirror and he hates himself too. And he will be the AEW champion. Through this, though, during this promo, he is cut off by Stokely Hathaway and says, you know what? Hey, last week, you attacked you and your uh, in the firm, attacked uh, Wheeler Yuta without me uh, say, saying to do it. And now this week, you're cutting me off. That's two strikes. So could we see maybe a dissension between the firm? Maybe Stokely Hathaway will run the firm and maybe cost MJF that championship to make him, like, kind of turn him into the babyface character because, you know, everyone he's a heel, but everybody loves him. Regardless, scathing promo from MJF. It just shows you what he does great. He's also an outstanding professional wrestler. N- do you think he'll get involved next week with the John Moxley hangman page match? But these two guys after the, after that backstage segment had an in-ring promo. John Moxley hot on the microphone. Hangman page hot on the microphone. In my opinion, too many cuts to MJF sitting in the uh, the suite right there with his chip. When, it, when the ma- I feel like like when the match happens where MJF is going to cash in, it's just going to be keep showing it, keep showing it, keep showing the uh, the, the skybox, and all of a sudden keep showing it and he's gone. I feel like they're overdoing the shots of MJF in the skybox. You should just show it subtly. But like I understand MJF's a, a, a top draw right now. Anyway, this promo set up this match Tuesday in Cincinnati for all wrestling dynamite for the world championship. John Moxley, do I think is going to win? Absolutely. I think John Moxley is going to win. So after this world ROH world championship match is Lionheart. Chris Jericho picks up the victory over Brian Danielson with kind of the help of uh, Daniel Garcia as a uh, referee gets knocked out. Jericho is about to use the world championship to hit Brian Danielson, which I think he waited too long. He's like, come on, I'm about to hit you. And I feel like it just dragged out until Daniel Garcia ran down, grabbed the belt, and actually hit Brian Danielson. So I think Excalibur said it best. You know, that black cloud is once again hanging over Ring of Honor. Uh, After the match, though, you have uh, Wheeler Yuta, Claudio, and William Regal come down to the ring, and Jericho Appreciation Society scrambles. So... Very long-going feud between the Blackpool Combat Club and the Jericho Appreciation Society. Women's action as Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm pick up the victory over Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Shida scores the pinfall over uh, Baker. So maybe we'll see Hikaru Shida as the next uh, opponent for uh, Tony Storm's interim Women's World Championship. 
And your main event, the All-Atlantic Championship was in the main event, which I liked. Very cool. And we have a new AEW All-Atlantic Champion in Orange Cassidy. Picks up a huge win over Pac. Uh, Gotta give props to Dan Housen for, uh, you saw Pac trying to go to the outside, get the uh, ring bell hammer again, and a uh, uh, cloaked mask mystery man stopped him, and it was Dan Housen, and he cursed him. So uh, I guess his curse worked. Orange Cassidy hits numerous orange punches for the victory, and I'm very, very happy about this. I've been saying this for months on this podcast, that Orange Cassidy deserves a title. Orange Cassidy deserves something. It was the Trios Championship. It was the TNT Championship. Regardless, that's two, I think, now for me. Um, regardless on that note, I'm happy that Orange Cassidy got a championship. He got the pop, and he got the celebration, and he got the hug, and the thumbs up that he deserved. And I know I saw, apparently, after the uh, show went off the air, uh, Tony Khan came out and gave him a hug, which I'm about. You want to say that Orange Cassidy's a homegrown star, but he's really not because he's been, he was doing this on the independents for a very long time. And he really hasn't shied away from the Orange Cassidy that we know and love. Yes, there's been glimpses of him getting serious and stuff like that, but I'm hoping that he holds this championship for a long time. You kind of give it some, you know, make since Orange Cassidy's on TV almost every single week, give it the, the recognition that it deserves. So props to Orange Cassidy. Next week, you're going to have Dynamite in on Tuesday, live at 8, 7 Central at the Heritage Bank Arena in Cincinnati, Ohio. John Moxley versus Hangman Page for the AEW Championship. This week on Rampage, we're going to have John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli against the Butcher and the Blade. I'm all about that. I love all four of those guys. Nyla Rose will be facing off against JAS. Ethan Page versus Isaiah Cassidy and FTR and Sean Spears against the Embassy of Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony. So that's all I really got to talk about right now when it comes to uh, all elite wrestling. Uh, but let's get to my. That's right. I mean, if you heard my bird in the background, he's about it. Let's get to my match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Match of the week this week. It's not just a match. It's an event. It's an event. A full event. FWF Live 4, hailing from Ridgefield, New Jersey this past weekend. Uh, if you just like wrestling, if you like fun, uh, this was the event for you. You know, they started off hot with Rich Swan versus Aaron Rourke in what was dubbed a work rate match, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Tyre Valkyrie versus Jay George. Um, there's nobody. I feel like in the female landscape, Tyre Valkyrie is just so badass because she she was beating the heck out of Jay George. And, I, and this weekend she goes to uh, Triple Mania, if I'm not mistaken, Brandon. Faces off against Camille Brickhouse for the uh, Reina Duranas Championship. Matt Cardona versus Maven in a tough enough street fight. Matt takes a staple gun to the head. And uh, you have a new FWF champion, dethroning VSK, Colt Cabana, his first world championship, you could say, in professional wrestling, if I'm not mistaken. I love it. I'm about it. I'm a huge Colt Cabana mark. So for him to have a championship, thumbs up to FWF. And it was just a fun show. It was over three hours, and it doesn't, didn't really feel like a three-hour show. So go check it out. It's on Fight TV, FWF Live 4. Uh, I'm assuming the next FWF will get is next year, and I'm hoping that it's closer to the Long Island area so I can go, or I have nothing to do so I can take the trip out to Jersey. On that note, Brandon, who are you shouting out? Ah! Hey there, Hef, we should listen to Brandon's shoutouts. 
The first shout-out goes to Angela Lansbury, who unfortunately passed away this week at the age of 96, just days before her 97th birthday. Awful, you know? I, but I, she had she had one of the longest careers in Hollywood, spanning over 80 years. I mean, who? what wrestling fan doesn't remember her coming on before... See, that's prior to my time. Monday Reruns Night of Raw. Murder, she wrote, Prime aired time, before yeah. Monday Night Raw. Yeah, <laughs> that's before, before my time. time. And, you know? She won a bunch of Tonys also for a bunch of musicals, but... I think for our generation, she's definitely best known as Mrs. Potts from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And I remember when they had the 25th anniversary screening of it, Alan Mankin was there performing live, and she came out and performed the title track, and I was, like, so jealous of everybody that got to be there. I thought that was pretty cool, and I I wish I got a chance to meet her or hear her perform live, but I never did. So, that sucked, but... My next shout-out is going to be going to Blink-182 because they announced that they're back. They're back together with Tom, and they have a new album coming out. They're going on tour, which I think I'd be more inclined to go to had I known the band that's opening outside of WWE 2K22, Turnstiles. Yeah, Chris said that that band is really good. I listen to their stuff, and it's like, I don't... No offense to them. I'm just not into that stuff. I mean, I know Rise Against. I literally just know them because of the 2K soundtrack. Yeah. And even that, I don't listen to their song in the game. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for Blink-182, period. Yeah. When I saw them in 2008, it was it, like Chester French and Taking Back Sunday also opened for them. I don't care about them, but yeah. Weezer was there. So. Oh, I would love to see Weezer. So, yeah, I got to see Blink and Weezer together. So I thought that would be cool if it was like another band that I knew, but um, definitely looking forward to what they put out. I know their first album post Tom, I was like, this sucks. Yeah. But their second album, I think it was that they did with Matt Skiba. I was like, oh, this is a, a pretty good album though. I enjoy this album. So Blink's back. I'm I'm here for it. Blink's back. And then the last shout out goes to MJF for standing up against anti-Semites. Plain and simple. I don't need to name names, but I don't think there's room in the world for for people like that. So, mm-hmm. I'm good for MJF for standing up. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, and obviously, uh, a lot of people stand with uh, with you and a MJF lot of people and... stand against people. Or a lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm a big fan of so and so." Yeah. He could say whatever he wants. Get away with it. Yeah. Awful. But those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for... Our... is right our mark out moment of the week i think 100 percent bray wyatt returning is just it was just absolutely insane yes i mean we don't even have to talk about anything else bray wyatt well, huge I, mark out moment i do of have one other one oh. but yes bray wyatt was a huge mark yes. out yes i think also uh at fwf4 matt cardona fought maven and during it he goes to use a pizza cutter. He's obviously emulating Nick Gage. And Josh Matthews run down, ran down to make the save for Maven. Ends up turning on Maven, and Maven ends up getting the upper hand, though, wins the match. But I just thought it was a fun spot to see because Josh was on tough enough. Maven was on tough enough. Smart, so. Very smart spot. 
to have. Yeah, I love stuff like that. And I was a big fan of Tough Enough. I was a big fan of uh, Maven. And uh, I'm a big fan of Josh Matthews on commentary. So Yeah. But those are the markout moments of the week. That's episode 610. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at MarkinOut, BTTG161, Twitter and Instagram, Chris Sweendog, Chris, uh, CMSweeney85, Twitter, Instagram, DavidPTDPT, Facebook.com slash MarkinOut, YouTube.com slash MarkinOut11, that's Instagram as well. Check us out, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkinOut, and watch us on TikTok. At Marking Out, go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify Podcast, MarkingOut.com, and we wish you the, the best of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week. Uh-huh.